Welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, it's Tyler and Matt here to talk about Wisconsin football. Uh, And then at the end of the episode, we're going to break down some Wisconsin basketball stuff. Obviously, exciting things happening for both programs. Wisconsin, obviously, in the football side, uh, 4-0. Picked up a a nice win against Northwestern despite some sloppy play, which we'll get into. And then, of course, uh, we're going to talk some basketball at the end because the uh, program in general uh, has landed four recruits over the last couple weeks and uh, starting to fire on all cylinders despite the claims that Greg Gard can't recruit. So we'll dive into that a little bit more at the end. But firstly, we're going to talk some football, uh, talk Northwestern. Matt, how are you doing today? Doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Can't complain. Happy to you know be 4-0. And, and despite the sloppy play, it was a good win for the Badgers. And we, you know, we keep chugging on it in the football seasons. We'll dive right into Northwestern. Obviously, like we kind of hinted at it and, and everything that we've written so far kind of a sloppy game but uh overall what were your what were your initial thoughts uh on the badgers win over northwestern on saturday yeah i mean anytime you can get a conference victory it's a big it's a big one so to be able to to kind of take that monkey off your back and avenge last year's loss uh to northwestern i think has to feel good for the team you know i think the way they went about it could have been a little bit better. I think they struggled in some areas, specifically special teams and on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but at, once again, that can be a nice wake-up call for a team that has been doing so well to kind of get punched in the mouth and 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 see that, hey, you're not invincible is probably not a bad thing. Uh, what, do you, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we kind of hinted at it, and I kind of expected this, you know, not so much the sloppy play, but I kind of expected just the weird – you know, chug along, you know, slow, kind of kind of messy type game uh, with Northwestern because that's kind of just how it's always went. I, I think the Badgers have always struggled with them because Northwestern just plays a certain style of football that, you know, they the Wildcats just kind of match up with them well. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald is a good coach, and he always seems to have a game plan that, that works for the Badgers. And uh, unfortunately for them, didn't quite work out completely, but they, they certainly made it a game. And then from where they were the first three weeks to that game was obviously an improvement. Not so much, you know, their offense still kind of struggled, but they were in the games. And I think they'll be a, a really tough team down the stretch if they can keep improving. So overall, it was it was sloppy, but not really unexpected uh, from my perspective. I, I'm just, I think we're just kind of used to struggling with Northwestern, whatever it is, whatever reasoning, it, it just sort of happened. Kind of diving into the analysis portion of it, we'll, we'll talk about the offense first. Uh, you know, what Matt, what did you think of the offensive game plan? Because there's a lot of different looks, you know, a lot of uh, shotgun, pistol, and, and not so much under center. And, uh, you know, I, I know Paul Chris kind of hinted that that was kind of the game plan going in, but what did you think of that offensive game plan on Saturday? You know, I know they did a lot of that in fall practice. We saw that a lot when when I was there at practice. It was predominantly out of the shotgun, out of the pistol. And I know you saw that when you were there at that practice as well on the early part of fall camp. But that was something they'd really done. I don't know if they were trying to get that on film for some upcoming opponents or if it was they wanted to work on it or if it had to do with like the health or protection um, on the offensive line or quarterback or what have you. But I felt as though, it it really didn't change too much in terms of how they did. I you know under center they they averaged it was about 
a little about three and a half part, uh, yards per play. Uh, when they were in shotgun in the pistol, they did about the same. So it wasn't like there was a drastic difference when they did that, you know, but the place that they really struggled and I talked about it in my three things that we learned this week was they only had 1.7 yards per play on second down. And that's just not going to cut it. That really led to a lot of times when they were forced to be in uh, third and long situations, in which case they're going to be in the shotgun. They're going to be in the pistol to give uh, Jack Cohn uh, a better rhythm. He he prefers to be in the shotgun uh, when he's going to be throwing. So that that I wasn't uh, so shocked by, but it was shocking to kind of see just how uh, much the, the team kind of struggled. They just seemed flat. They seemed off. Uh, Northwestern once again kind of found another way to muck up the game, and it it really hurt them on the offensive side of the ball. What did you think of the offense? I like you said earlier in the in the you know when you were talking about that, we saw that a lot in practice. You know, in, in the preseason, we kind of hinted that there was going to be some new wrinkles in this offense, and that was kind of what we were hinting at in most situations when we were writing about it. Obviously, we didn't want to you know tell people completely that they're going to run a lot of that, but you know, like you said, we've saw a lot of it at practice. And I think it's I think it's still kind of a good thing. You know, when you talk about the way this offense was last year, it was it was pretty stale. Um, and a lot, I think a lot of defenses knew what was coming. So to work in a different wrinkle is is not necessarily a bad thing. Did it really work? Uh, not so much. But I think if there was a team to probably try it against, it's probably Northwestern because they're a team that's had your number the last two seasons. Uh, you know, they've, they've like you said, mucked up. Uh, the offense a little bit and they've slowed the Badgers down they've slowed Jonathan Taylor down and uh, so I I think if there was a time to bust it out and really go for it you know maybe that was the week and like you said maybe they're trying to get it on tape to to have other teams kind of prepare for that and maybe next week they change it up again who knows it was interesting to see an interesting game plan I think Paul Chris hinted at it in the media presser today that they it was by design it's not like uh you know, they were planning on going under center and then they switched to a lot of shotgun stuff. They were going into this week to to go you know, in the shotgun to try and spread the field because in the in the last two meetings, they've been a lot of players on the line of scrimmage and kind of you know condensed thing up. And Northwestern plays that style of defense well. But like you said, it, it put some pressure on Jack Cohn and, and he made some. He made some tough throws and, you know, he had some, you know, tough situations. Overall, there was a lot of dissection on Jack Cohn's play on Saturday. And you look at the numbers, I don't really think it was that bad. He still completed like 62, I think 62.5% of his passes. What Did you think, you know, because there was a lot of criticism and there's always going to be criticism on Jack when, when he doesn't have a, a great game or a subpar game. But uh, kind of going off the offensive game plan, do you, do you think his struggles were more because of just a bad game or maybe just a, not the best game plan uh, from the Wisconsin coaches? I think it was a combination. You know, I think part of it was of those getting into third and longs, you know, they actually did fairly good on first down. You know, obviously he, they got the one sack that they got was on first down and the one uh, interception was on first down. But other than that, some of their biggest plays came on first down in the passing game. But I think, you know, when they got behind the sticks and they had to throw Northwestern, instead of having uh, their guys down in the box, I know Willek, their safety led the team in tackles, which mm-hmm. is indicative of that he was in the box. You know, he was there crashing down early to stop the run that then when they got to those third and long situations, they went to zone and they blitzed three. And we're like, hey, Jack Cohn hit these small windows against us, which is which is tough to do. And that isn't something that he's 
been doing uh, most of the season. You know, he had been passing over 70% in every other game until this one. So I think the the bigger thing is that hopefully this isn't a blueprint that other teams are going to use to try to stop them um, because the Badgers need to kind of fix uh, that hitch that they had in that game in terms of second down because that just isn't going to help the team. 1.7 yards isn't going to help you. Uh, when you when you're a run power team, and you can normally run the ball and get four yards a carry, there's no reason for you to only get one yard on second down. Yeah, you're just not going to have success um, on the offensive side of the ball when when you're doing stuff like that. And you know, as you when you look at the schedule going forward, you're going to be facing some tough fronts coming up here soon. Obviously, Kent State is a, is a game to maybe work out some kinks on that side. But then you've got Michigan State, whose who's front seven is is nasty. And then, of course, you've got Ohio State coming up with, with Chase Young and those guys, and, and they look – like a whole nother level. So we're going to really have to pick it up and, uh, you know, fix some things on, on the second down. And you said first down wasn't so bad, but second down, you, you really hurt yourself when you're in an offense designed how Wisconsin is, if, if you're playing from behind the chains. And Jack Cohn, I think he's a really good quarterback. I think he's an efficient quarterback. But if you're going to put added pressure on him to make dynamic plays, you're probably going to get that result. So overall, I, I don't read too much into his game. I don't think it was that bad. I think it's just, it's just a mixture of stuff. And obviously, again, like we said, Northwestern just kind of gives you that vibe and makes you it makes you struggle in some areas so I don't read into it too much and I wasn't you know wasn't one of those guys clamoring for the backup and I'll say as a PSA to everyone if you're clamoring for the backup after one bad game you're probably going to be disappointed because I don't see it happening anytime soon but but kind of going off the, the struggling offense we'll, we'll talk about the other struggling segment of of the team which I think was even more glaring than the offense was the special teams. I mean, for a team that that normally does this stuff so well, I I was just kind of floored at, at how poor they played at special teams really the whole season. So, Matt, w- what do you make of it? I, I don't want to swear on here, but I put in our notes what the hell is going on with special teams because it, it's really it's really kind of baffling to see a team that's normally so disciplined and crisp in that area struggle. So what do, what do you kind of make of that? Yeah, and and while the Badgers don't necessarily have the 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 best punter, the best kicker, or the best return guys, usually, I think the Badgers usually do a great job of minimizing mistakes in those uh, areas, and that's not what we saw uh, this Saturday. You know that the the punt return unit was just atrocious with the the face mask that gave them an extra possession, changed the momentum, allowed Northwestern to get that early field goal. I think. If they get that and they go down and score, that's a whole different ball game altogether. And but then the fumbled punt in the uh, second half, you know, just giving Northwestern too many opportunities. And then the on special teams, that was the second back-to-back games where they uh, gave up an onside kick in coverage, which is you just can't do that. It's the type of thing that could cost you a game. And it's Wisconsin's just lucky that it didn't this time because the special teams was just completely inept and made some terrible plays outside of Zach Hintz just booting the ball a million miles uh, <laughs> off the kickoff. That was that was a boot. That was the best way to describe it was I, I was thoroughly impressed with that. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, special teams. I don't, I don't even know where to where to begin with that unit because, like you said, the punt return team. It wasn't just Jack Dunn. Now, granted, I don't like to, I don't like to talk bad, you know, certainly about about players. I'm more so, you know, if you're gonna go after a team, you know, you generally you go after the coaches. You know, like Mike Gundy said, "Come after me, I'm a man, I'm 40." But Jack Dunn has really struggled in his time back there, and I, I don't really know if it, there's just if there's just not another option to put back there. It's it's eventually it's gonna cost him, and it almost did. And like you said, Northwestern is a type of team where you just don't want to give them extra opportunities. They're they're a scrappy team that when they get that extra momentum or you make mistakes against them, they hang around in games much longer than they probably should, and and that can cause some things. And I think we saw what what that kind of chaotic thing can do. But but really, I I don't really know if there's a, a huge answer for it other than it, it has to just get cleaned up, right? I mean, it's just kind of just coaching. Is that what you're thinking, or is there any clear cut answer. Yeah, I think it's I think it's that discipline and making sure that you're making being where you need to be, making the right play, making smart plays. You know, and I think part of it is Northwestern's punter does do uh, you know, the the way he kicks the ball gives you a funky bounce each time because he's he's not looking for the big deep spiral and that's kind of a new thing that a lot of punters are doing where they're basically trying to create chaos. Um, as much as possible, but at the same time, that's his main duty, and he's gotta gotta be better. And I think part of that is putting him in a situation where the return team is is doing a better job of making sure that the guys aren't right on him in that situation as well. So it's a team effort, but that that area, the special teams area, needs to be better. You know, even Anthony Lottie with some of those touchbacks. You know, it's it's you might as well when you're punting from the 36, it's OK to have a 14 yard punt at that point compared to kicking it into the end zone. So they just need to be crisper in that area. And I think I think it's I'm sure they're going to be practicing that facet of the game more in depth uh, this week, especially in preparation for Kent State. where you don't have to put nearly as much effort necessarily in, you know, the defense, for example, or the offense, um, because you probably feel a little bit better about what you've shown over the year than in those areas. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, it's just it's just something that's got to be cleaned up in all facets of it. But we made a field goal, one for one in that regard. So the, there's an improvement in that on that side of it, and you know, it's just it, it, it's definitely got to get cleaned up um, in Kent State. And like you you alluded to earlier, that face mask, I, I would I would totally agree. I think that uh, that play in general you know, completely changed the dynamic of that game. And but you know, it sounds crazy to say when you when you think about the whole grand scheme of the game, but one two little plays like that can can have a huge difference. And you know, eventually it might. You know, when you're playing a team, maybe like a Michigan State or Ohio State, that those little mistakes can get you get you beat because they have the talent uh, on the offensive side of the ball to to make up for that stuff. So it'll be interesting to see if that gets cleaned up uh, against uh, the Golden Flashes this weekend, and then of course going into Michigan State. We've talked about the negative. You know, obviously offense wasn't great, wasn't horrible. Special teams frankly, was horrible, and, and we've, we've acknowledged that, and I don't think anyone would disagree. There was one positive side, and it's probably been the positive side of the team all season, and that's been the defense. Just a dominating effort from them. They were, it seemed like they were on the field a ton. Uh, I didn't look at the time of possession numbers, but they seemed to be out there you know, way more than they wanted to be, but they just went out and did their job. They reminded me a lot of that 2017 defense where the offense was, was struggling, but the defense went out and bailed them out, and they were they were essentially our best offense. So overall, Matt, what did you what did you think of the defense uh, in general this week? Anything really stand out to you? 
I, I loved that, you know, they could tell that the offense was struggling, the special teams was struggling. And so they, they said enough and they kind of put their foot down and made their own plays, which was awesome to see. You know, that's that's the a surefire sign of a defense that can really be elite. And I think they're there. You know, they to be able to go down and score two defensive touchdowns for the first time in over a decade, that's, that's big time. You know, they needed it. And basically the defense won them that game. They outscored the offense 14 to 10 and really just kind of the way I look at it said enough is enough and saw that saw the writing on the wall that they were going to have to make the big play. And, and they did it with five sacks, you know, 14 tackles for loss, the two forced fumbles, you know, a, an interception return to the house, you know, they, they were all over the field and it was, it was fun to watch because they definitely play with a good energy that gets, uh, gets the, really the feed, the team feeds on. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were probably the, I mean, you know, they still gave up 15 points, but I think they were the most impressive that they have been all season. See the Michigan week was, was really impressive, but just the way that they flew around and, and hit. And, you know, I mean, Chris Orr was, or was incredible at nine tackles, two sacks, and, and a forced fumble. He was he was dominating, and overall, just the, the unit, like you said, just kind of came together and said, okay, the offense is, is struggling, we have to win this game. And sometimes it's going to be like that, especially if you're Wisconsin. You're not going to put up 61 points a game and and you know roll teams on the offensive side of the ball and just you know hope you can get you know, hope the other team can get get a stop, but. Sometimes it's going to be that way. Sometimes the offense is going to win you games. Sometimes the defense is going to have to win you games. And sometimes it's going to have to be a cohesive effort. And, you know, they just strapped down and said, you know what, we got we got to win this game. And, you know, they flew around and, and were really impressive. And you know, we touched on Chris Orr. He he was you know, obviously Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. So he was obviously dominating. Um, so we won't talk about him too much. But who else maybe stood out to you and, and really impressed you in this in this defensive effort? You know, I think there's a lot of different guys. You know, obviously, Matt Henningsen's been playing really good football. He's basically in the starting lineup. He's playing a lot, especially when they're in pass rushing situations. You know, he had a sack. He had that fumble recovery for a touchdown. Um, but I think Jack Sanborn was was the guy. Uh, he had 13 tackles, just one for a tackle for loss, but he had a pass breakup. But he was all over the field. He had some massive hits, um, really st- sticking ball carriers and not letting them fall forward, which is, you know, he really brings a thump. And then, I mean, there's so many good guys that were those, both the safeties Pearson almost had that interception. Um, You know, obviously Eric Burrell delivered that big force fumble hit, you know, the sack uh, for fumble that Henningsen recovered, but it was a great team effort. Guys were all over the field making plays. So, I mean, it, it was impressive to see how many guys stepped up when you had those starting safeties off the field for the first half and just kind of take the game into their own hands. Did anybody jump out to you? Yeah, I was I was going to touch on the safeties too. I mean, you, you give credit to obviously Pearsons and Burrell. They came in in the second half and and made an impact uh, big time. Obviously, Burrell was was excellent. He's been excellent all season, and we we kind of saw that in, in fall camp too, where he really stood out. And I kind of thought, man. The way he looks in practice, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna. He wasn't in the as the starter uh, in the first couple of weeks, but he worked his way into a, a lot of packages, and I think he, I think he's been absolutely wonderful. And then of course Reggie Pearson is um, the the hard hitter. You know, seeing him come bear down on you as a quarterback has to be one of the most frightening things I, I can think of because he he can hit and he was laying the wood 
Um, you know, really, really impressive on Saturday. But I got to give credit to, to Colin Wilder, too. He played really well that first half uh, in a situation where, you know, he's played a lot, but he wasn't expecting to be out there every down in that game. And obviously with the targeting calls, all of a sudden he's thrown into that starter role. And I thought he played really well, um, and, you know, gave just really good effort. And like you said, it was it was a cohesive Overall, you know, grand scheme, defense played really well altogether, but a lot of those guys really stepped up when they had to. And that's what that's the characteristics of, of a really good football team is is guys stepping up uh, when they're when their numbers called. So you have to have that uh, over the course of a season. Biggest thing to me uh, on the defensive side of the ball is just the game plan. Jim Leonard is amazing. And I think more and more people are starting to notice that obviously if you've if you've been a fan of Wisconsin for for years now, you know how good he is and you know how good of a defensive coordinator he is. But the questions are starting to come in. And obviously we saw Chris Ash at Rutgers get fired this past weekend and coaches are starting to, you know, they're going to start losing jobs. There's going to start be positions open. Jim Leonard's, you know, obviously alluded to, he, hey, he wants to stay. He wants to be in Wisconsin, but he's starting to get on a lot of people's radars for head coaching gigs. Do you think, and maybe not this season, you know, or maybe down the road, but do you think Jim Leonard is, is a guy that's going to get pried off and be a head coach somewhere? I think it's a matter of time that he's going to eventually leave. You know, I could see him becoming a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Um, I could also see him taking over, uh, you know, a power five college football head coaching job. Um, but I, I don't think it would be for a job like Rutgers, for example. I think he's going to be looking for something better. You know, I, Paul Chris left for Pitt, for example. I think an ACC job would make a lot of sense for him due to his ties over on the, the East Coast uh, when he played in the NFL. Um, I could see him ending up any, anywhere along that. I don't know necessarily if it'll happen this year, but I do think eventually he's he's too good of a coach. He is too good of a schemer. He knows his stuff. He has so many inroads with different players and different programs that I think it is just a matter of time, kind of like you were saying, that he is in fact pried off um, and uh, joined someone else to before, you know, potentially coming back. You know, Paul Christ isn't going to be coaching the Badgers forever. You know, he's obviously still young, but Jim Leonard has a, a big uh, future ahead of him and there's no telling what he could be doing in the next like five years. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you know, like you said, Paul Chris is still pretty young. I think he's well, early, early fifties, 53 or 54. So, and as long as he continues to have success, it's going to be hard to, to obviously move him out of the role and move Leonard in there. So I think, you know, eventually he's going to take that uh, position and, and make either a leap to the next level um, or or take over a college program. But like you said, I think it, it'll have to be the right fit. He's not going to just jump to the first uh, bigger job that he gets because he's he's had opportunities for for that before. I mean, Alabama was looking for a defensive coordinator and and were you know gave him a ring and, and places like that where and, and he said no. So Alabama's defensive coordinator probably gets paid you know around the the same as a lower tier power five team. So he's not going to go anywhere. Um, that isn't a good fit, but I could kind of see, like you said, too, the the ACC or or someone like that, some place that he's familiar with. But you know, I, I I of course appreciate him wanting to wanting to stay and be in Wisconsin, but I think he's just too good of a a football mind to to not get pulled away from somewhere eventually. And maybe that's the next level. Uh, who knows? Maybe the Packers have a defensive coordinator job in the in the future, and then he jumps to that level or something like that, where he can stay in Wisconsin. But right now, the Packers defense looks pretty good, so I don't uh, anticipate that. But overall, I think 
down the road, he's going to get pried off, and I think he'll have success pretty much anywhere. I mean, the the guy's just a great football mind. That's kind of all I have for each each segment of of the team. You know, we talked about the struggles on offense, and you know, maybe that's just Northwestern, and we talked about the special teams and and the defense. But overall, did this game really throw up any red flags to you, or was it just just that sloppy Northwestern game? And if if it threw up you know red flags, what what's something that you're going to be looking for uh, in the grand scheme going into next week? I I think uh, if if anything, I know this is going to sound weird. I think it's almost encouraging. You know, this is the type of game that last year or a few years ago they would have lost. They they played so poorly on in two of the three main facets of the game, and to still somehow find a way to to grind out a victory against a conference opponent who really did play well. Like Northwestern played a great game in their minds. You know, I know uh, Fitzgerald even had said he was like, you know, we were we had our chances against the top ten team on the road. Uh, he's like, there's not much else we can ask. He was very happy with how they played. So Wisconsin. I thought in the end played so poorly and to still figure out a way to get a win, kind of like a team like Clemson, even this week, you know, a team that people thought was untouchable uh, until the college football playoff because of their conference was, is very weak this year, still had a trouble, still got down and won by a failed two point conversion. So it, it, it goes to show you that while uh, Northwestern and North Carolina might be in different places this year, we'll see uh, they, it's still a game that, A lot of teams are going to have a game where it just doesn't go right for you. Northwestern mucks it up, and Wisconsin was able to kind of figure out a way to get a W with a strong defensive effort. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, like you said, I kind of called this week a handle-your-business type week because you looked at the college football slate in general. There were a lot of games where, yes, you're you're expected to win this game. You're expected to win it handily, but you could see situations in, you know, on the whole – uh, slate where there was games where teams were going to have some tough matchups like the Clemson, like Wisconsin, kind of sluggish. Um, and it, it just sort of happens. But at the end of the day, as long as you come out uh, with a zero in the loss column, overall, it's it's that's where you want to be. If they would have lost that game, things would you'd be a completely different conversation. So overall, to, to, to get that W in the conference against the, the team that, you know, people – knock on that 2018 Northwestern team, but they still, you know, they won the West division. I know it wasn't the deepest, but they still uh, made a game of it in the, in the title game. They, they tried to hang with Ohio state. They didn't have the talent, but overall that was still a good team last year. Um, so to, to, like you said, for the Badgers to get a win is, is, is all that really matters. I know it, I know it wasn't pretty. And I know we're used to seeing three pretty much, you know, the first three weeks perfectly executed football games where they did, 95% of the things right, but sometimes you're not going to have that A game and you got to just find a way to scrap and and get a win. Overall, it was it was a solid effort. Didn't have their best game, but they came away with a W and that's, you know, some there's going to be weeks like that where that's that's all you can really hope for. All right, that's all we've got for football, but uh, we're going to dive into some uh, Wisconsin basketball here. Uh, but first, we're going to kick it to a quick ad. All right, and it's time to talk a little Wisconsin basketball. Obviously, the Badgers have had two huge weeks, back-to-back weeks, landing some recruits. This this time uh, to the 2021 class, the Badgers were able to land uh, Chucky Hepburn, who is a point guard. 6'1", 185 is what they have him on, 247. He is from Nebraska. Looks like the number two rated player in Nebraska. Uh, and then, of course, Matthew Moores uh, from South Dakota, 
who was a good friend of Chucky. Uh, he was a power forward, 6'7", 220, the number one player out of the state of South Dakota. Matt, you obviously, I, I saw you wrote uh, one of the recaps for the recruiting, and it uh, looks like you've been following this pretty closely. What, uh, what, what do you like about uh, these two guys' games as they enter the Wisconsin program in 2021? Yeah, I mean, they're both tremendous gets for a great guard. Uh, you know, he's he had a lot of flack thrown at him uh, the past couple of years, you know, and he responded in a big way. He's kind of changed his recruiting philosophy and getting two guys who are um, such highly rated, both in the top 125, uh, according to pretty much any site you're looking at uh, in the nation, four star kids. It's it's a big win. And they and they got the guys to commit early. They, they easily could have gone into July of next year looking for more offers, and they definitely would have gotten them. Um, so it was huge to kind of lock them down early. Matthew Moores, I'll start with him. He He's a guy who Joe Krabenhoff has been all over since he was in like eighth grade. He, he is, he's going to be a four-year varsity guy. He's got a huge, huge talent base. He's very versatile, can do inside, outside, has a great three-point shot, can also bang down low. He kind of reminds you of Joe Krabenhoff uh, in a way, yes. um, you know, in <laughs> terms of kind of how he looks, his body, his size. And Krabenhoff was a very highly rated recruit coming out of the area, too. So I think in looking at him, if if you can think towards, oh, we're going to have a guy who's going to be Joe Krabenhoff, a glue guy who's also going to be able to hit big shots, play tremendous defense and give and kind of bang inside, but also uh, take it outside and guard the, the four as well. I, I think that's a big win. I don't think he necessarily has a huge ceiling. I think he's going to be a guy who comes in right away and plays. But um it's similar to um, like a Brad Davidson who is like immediately ready to play, but we haven't seen like a huge jump in his game so far. Mm-hmm. He's more of a finished product. Whereas Chucky Hepburn is, uh, you know, six one one eighty five, like you said, didn't, didn't quite have as many uh, big time offers as uh, Moore's, but he's a guy who's really good distributor of the ball. He's quick. He's kind of stocky. He's, you know, at 185, he, he can throw some weight around. He's actually pretty strong and he's got a good lower body and he can jump. The dude is very athletic, um, can hit the outside shot, but he can really get to the rim and finish uh, something they they haven't had out of a guard in a, in a while. So I think, you know, having a, a good heady point guard who can distribute the ball really well um, while also making the big shots when you need it at the end and he can hit the mid range, hit the three, but he also can get to the 10 is really going to help them uh, with when they have so much good talent coming in with these guys. Yeah, I love that you said Matthew Moore's the comparison to Joe Krabenhoff because when I was watching his huddle tape the other night, that is the first <laughs> that's the first thing that popped into my head. I said this guy is is a, a little Joe Krabenhoff. I mean, you look at the size, they're about the same. Uh, you know, Moore's actually looks like he was a little heavier or a little heavier than uh, Krabenhoff was coming out of high school, but gets down, gets some rebounds, makes good passes. Um, just just a quality quality basketball player. He's not going to be flashy and and uh, you know, score a bunch of buckets and and be the leading scorer and and take a game over. But he's going to be that that core guy that you need. So when you, as soon as you said that, I was like, yes, that is exactly what I was thinking uh, when I was watching his tape. And then uh, you know, Hepper and I watched a little bit of that after Drew's post, and he, he's like you said, a, a a talented guard. He looks like he really likes to attack attack the basket, which I think Wisconsin needs in, in a swing offense. You need to have some guys that then can attack the rim. And I think last year we saw with the Badgers that they didn't really have that guy. Brad Davison 
can be when he when he wants to, but he's just not he's not the the talented uh, guy that can just always go to the rim. He he takes his takes his opportunities, but overall he's that's not you know the strongest part of his game. Uh, so I, I think a guy like that'll be be huge for uh, the Badgers as they try to get this recruiting class. And, you know, in this program back in the direction where Bo Ryan was, where they were consistently, you know, winning tournament games and competing for, for Big Ten titles that way. And that's kind of the first step is landing those guys. I mean, you look at the recruiting rankings, obviously these will change, and we, we, we know that. And we were, we were tweeting about it on B5Q that the Badgers are they're currently number six in the class in, number 20, in 2020 and uh, the number one class for 2021. And, you know, Duke and Arizona and, and Kentucky will, will come in and, and make those changes, Virginia, and, and they'll drop down. But how big is that for a program, and how cool is that to see Wisconsin in the rankings, at least for the time being, with those Blue Bloods? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's big for the program because it allows other big-time prospects to see them as a legitimate team to to possibly join forces with um but they you know it's it's huge at this point because they are going to lose some guys you know they've got a lot of guys who are juniors going to be this year so in two years when this 2021 crop is going to be coming in those guys are going to be starting to leave and so they're going to need to reload they're going to have a big class this year so i think you know the 2020 class being ranked sixth, that's probably going to be around there. They're going to be a top 15 class because they're such a big group. And the uh, 2021 class will also be a big group because I think they're going to take probably another five guys uh, on scholarship. So it, they'll have a chance to still be another top 10, 10, 15 class because of the talent. And that's what you need to get back on track if they want to push towards you know, a, a, another final four run because they have, this is the type of group that they'll have the talent to get there. And that could play with anybody if they can all stay healthy, all p- gel together well. And if the, the Badgers can kind of find their way and grind through the big 10 conference. Yeah. And I, I thought it was interesting the, just the, just the way that they've landed these guys, you know, back to back to back, you know, they, over the last two weeks, I, I remember, I remember years ago when like Kaminsky and Decker committed, I know, you know, it was Kaminsky and Decker and like Trey Jackson, they were all kind of in that same boat where they all recruited really close together um, and committed close together. So it's, you know, you hope that it's, it's kind of obviously they're not going to be NBA players and all, all world players like those two were, but it's, it's huge for the program to, to land guys that, that gives you talent and gives you depth. And you know replaces some bodies because it's not like a football roster where you have you know 80, 90 guys that are at least you know within the program and and working out. You only have you know 10, 15 guys that that you can go to, and there's limited space. So you wanna you know, make sure you're landing uh, some of these guys and getting those players in because you you need them, frankly. So it'll be interesting to to see how the Badgers you know develop down the stretch. Um, you know basketball season's right around the corner. Matt, you know, we don't need to dive into, uh, you know, the team too much for this year. But I guess what are you what are you most excited for for the team uh, and this program going forward? I I think you got to be excited about the string of of good recruiting classes going forward. You know, it kind of does remind you kind of like we were talking about when you had that class where you had 
Kaminsky and and them and then the next class was Sam Decker and the next class was Nigel Hayes and Bronson Koenig where you just kind of you built on one another and you were able to bring in those four star I mean Sam Decker was a five star but those four star talented guys to build on one another and then kind of put it together and I think they've kind of got that uh, that recipe going so it'll be interesting these next couple of years I'm also excited this year to see what uh Tyler Wall can do, you know, he's a, he's a, he was a big time recruiting win for the Badgers, you know, especially after kind of a dud of Curry, Strickland and Hedstrom uh, coming in uh, in the 2018 class. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they can do this year. Um, on Wednesday, the basketball media days are going to be going on. I'll be down there. So I'll try to get some audio for the podcast there. Um, but it's definitely exciting compared to what they had going on Uh during recruiting, you know, the previous, I would say four years, uh, prior, other than the group with Kobe King and, uh, Brad Davison and them. Perfect. Perfect. I mean, that's great insight from Matt, uh, with, with regards to the, with the basketball program, obviously they've finally started to hit some home runs and, and starting to pay off. And like you said, basketball season's right on the corner. Media days is, is coming up. And the next thing you know, uh, tip off will be here so we we like to dive into that and i think we'll we'll probably do maybe uh, as we get closer to the season a, a full-scale basketball preview see what we can come up with for uh for the 2019-20 season it should be ex- exciting one i saw i actually wrote a ba- basketball article today the badgers were picked uh, i believe sixth uh from some media members ran by the athletic that's probably where they'll be for most of the preseason stuff i would guess wouldn't you say yeah i would i would say anywhere between like four and seven kind of makes sense based off of the returning talent and obviously losing Hap. A lot of people have some questions about kind of what the the team will look like. You know, I think they'll be, they'll have a little more inside out game going on because they can got, have the big guys step out and hit threes, something that obviously wasn't in Hap's regiment last year. So I think you'll see a different offense. Uh, it'll be just interesting to see how the defense um, and the rebounding shakes out with uh, obviously without Hap. Yeah, that'll be a it'll be a different look for sure because obviously Ethan Happ has been you know such a presence for the last few years, but change is inevitable and maybe that helps this team kind of find some new faces and play cohesively and who knows it could it could be a strong uh, game for them and we'll we'll see what happens. That's all I've got uh, on the docket here. Good football talk in the beginning and we wrapped up with some basketball stuff. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it and we'll be in uh, later in the week to preview Kent State, who of course. You know, things haven't gone that well for uh, the Golden Flashes, but uh, it's still a football game. And you still got to play it, and they've got some guys, and I think they've got some talent on the roster, and they're starting to develop. So it'll be interesting to to preview Kent State. I don't, we don't have anyone lined up to join the show. I've been kind of looking for someone who who knows the team and the program a little bit more, but uh, we might have a guest on, we might not. So that's still in the works uh, for Thursday's episode. Uh, other than that, Matt, anything else you got, or else? Yeah, just don't forget to keep subscribing. Uh, give us a review. Uh, that always helps us get recognized a little bit more. Share it with your friends. Um, once again, you can find me on Twitter at, at SavedByTheBells. And uh, you can find Tyler at, what was your handle again? At Tyler L. Hunt. So, yeah, give us both a follow and, uh, you know, give us some feedback. We're, we're open to anything. You're not going to hurt our feelings with some criticism. So, all right, man. Well, that's all I've got. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Like Matt said, rate, review, and subscribe. And uh, on Wisconsin.
Thank you.